When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name's Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm back home after a very long uh, travel weekend. So I'm glad to be back. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We are doing our week two in review today. We're going to go back and look at the games as they went down a little bit better of a week, I'd say, for the American overall than week one was. But still, mm-hmm. there's room for improvement still, I think, for the conference. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of games yeah. that, uh, you know, didn't quite break the right way. But, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. We're just going to run through all these games here in order when they kicked off. And that for me means we're starting at South Carolina 20, ECU 17. Uh, ECU should have won this game by multiple scores. They were winning for a while, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. The very first play of the game, Tyler Sneed uh, on a trick play through like a 75 yard touchdown pass. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. The Pirates had momentum. The defense played great. It was the best defensive game that I've seen them play in absolutely years. It was mm-hmm. much improved defense. The running game was solid. Mm-hmm. Fulton Ehlers was terrible. <laughs> he was, un, you know, as the guy who is now a senior, he's been starting for, you know, he started starting his freshman year. He wasn't there the whole year as a starter, but you know, he's essentially a four-year starter at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to, and it's not going to happen. I don't think he needs to get rid of the little mistakes and, you know, take that next step forward. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he was doing things like at one point, it was like a third and four and he ran three yards downfield, had a first yeah. down, had another five yards running if he wanted it. And he threw the ball and got himself a penalty for it. You know? So do you think it's just his decision-making is not I, I think he's looking just, good? he never, he's not comfortable. I don't think that mm. I think in the pocket, he's uncomfortable. And I think it, the game moves too fast for him sometimes. I think his processing speed isn't quite where it needs to be. I don't think it's one of those things that, you know, when he's a sophomore, you go, well, there's a lot of potential there. Right. Figure it out. But now there's a senior going, well, he just never figured that part of the game out. Because he right. does have the physical tools. You know, I also think they need to run him a lot more because he looks more comfortable and confident when he has that as, as part of his game. But, yeah as it stands now, they lost that game and they lost it because they were given several short fields, several turnovers, uh, and they could do almost nothing with it on offense, which is the exact opposite of what we expected the pirates to be like this year. Yeah. So for me, that was a very disappointing loss. Hmm. I, I mean, I, I want to preface this podcast with that. I didn't get to see too many of the games because I was at Oregon, um, Ohio state, and it was right in the middle of the day. So I didn't get to watch too many. I saw highlights and whatnot, but um, just looking at the numbers and then I was able to keep track of the score. So every time I would check in on an AAC team, I was like, Oh, okay, this is going well. Um, I feel like so much better. 
Well, I feel like it's still, there's something to be said. Obviously it's bittersweet because you lose by three. That's rough, but there had to have been some good mm-hmm. things about the game oh. because, you know, oh, like, absolutely. Let, let me be positive here. The defense was phenomenal for you. Right. You said that. Yeah. So Their that's good because that was, was a excellent. concern. It was, you know, they looked really good. Uh, right. Let's see. they looked really good. Pressuring South Carolina's uh, quarterback, which is not something that I thought that EC was going to have a ton of success right. doing this year. Their secondary was really solid throughout the game. What really happened was ECU jumped out to like a 14 nothing lead. Right. And they just, you know, by the fourth quarter, they were, the defense was on the field so long, they just couldn't hang on at the end. And South Carolina was just the stronger team by the end of the game. You know, they yeah. had a little bit, they're the legs under them still. But I feel like it's encouraging to see them play a game like that against a team like South Carolina, because while South Carolina is not great by any standards, it's still a, a major conference team. So anytime that you can play with a team like that, I feel like it's a good thing. Obviously, there's stuff to be worked on, but I feel like ACU is like upward, you know, so that's at least. Yeah, no, they, there's hopeful again. They're still they're still doing this thing where they show signs of growth and they mm-hmm. just can't go and actually win the game. It's not yeah. showing up in the wins loss column. And that's the frustrating thing for ECU right now. I'm sure that's um, tough. <laughs> yeah. Another team that I thought, you know, showed a lot of improvement from week one to week two was Tulsa. Uh, they went to <sighs> yeah. Oklahoma state, Tulsa 23, Oklahoma state 28. Yeah. They lost the game, but the you know week one was terrible for Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Week two was a much improved team uh, out there. You know, uh, Davis Brandon was solid. He was a lot better than he was against UC Davis. The secondary really gave Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma State quarterback, a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference in this game was that the running game wasn't there the way it was against UC Davis. They weren't, mm-hmm. you know, so they really need to find a complete team effort. You know, they go to Ohio State next week, and that's, that's yeah. not fun for anyone. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I feel bad for them because Ohio State is going to be so mad. Oh, yeah. Ohio <laughs> State's going to be looking to prove a point, which sucks for Tulsa. It, it does. does. Timing-wise, it's not great. <laughs> no, it's not. But in general, I think going forward, what they have to look for is mm-hmm. finding a way to do everything well at once instead of just like today's the day Brent has a good day throwing or today's the day that we you know, you know have everyone average 10 yards mm-hmm. on the ground. You need to be able to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, I see, I'm seeing a trend here where they're these AC, AAC teams are up in, you know, heading into yeah. the end of the game and they just can't hold on to that lead. Yeah. It was, it uh, felt similar to a very similar, at least to the way the Tulsa Oklahoma state game went last year, where you thought, mm-hmm. man, Tulsa really has this shot to do it, but they just couldn't hold on. They couldn't, you know, maintain it for 60 minutes. They couldn't yeah. get the job done at the end of the day, which, you know, again, I was concerned that this was going to be a blowout after the way it looked week one. So good good on them to keep it close, but this was still a little bit frustrating that where you think that man, they really could have won that game. I think the biggest stat for me that was like concerning for their offense was just the four third down conversions out of 13. Mm -hmm. That's just like something you can't, that's you're going to have to remedy that. (laughs) Part of that's that running game, not really getting going against Oklahoma state because that means you're in third and long a lot. It's not just, third and two where you've got right. options, you know, third down conversions to me are one of, they're like one of my favorite stats to look at because yes, they're situational. Like you just said, they could be because you're not getting your running game going. They could be because, you know, your quarterback isn't able to complete passes, but it's also like a grit thing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a, it, to me, it's like a, a character building um, down. And so I, you like to see teams 
overcome that. So hopefully they can work on that for next week. Absolutely. Uh, our next game, another AAC lost Florida 42 USF 20. Uh, yeah. USF played a lot better than I thought they were going to do. That's good. You know, okay. Cade Forden showed improvement from what he showed last week. They still went with Jimmy McLean a bit as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, they're just not, they don't know who their quarterback is. They should never really announce Cade Forden's the guy with all the graphics and everything because <laughs> it's clear that he's the starter, but they're still trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the defense forced a few turnovers. It's not really related to USF, but Emory Jones kind of stinks, it seems. Mm-hmm. And uh, at least he's got no confidence right now. And USF was in his head uh, the mm-hmm. same way FAU was kind of in his head. When Anthony Richardson was in the game, USF had no answer on defense, but you know, right. So I'm not sure what the Gators are doing with their quarterback situation. It doesn't feel like a controversy to me. But, yeah. Uh, but no, USF showed a lot of improvement. They showed uh, an ability to move the ball in spurts, they sh- which they did not show against NC State. They, Like I said, they showed the ability to create a little bit of havoc, creating turnovers. That's all good stuff, improvement from, yeah. that, from week one to week two. But still, tough game. At least they, you know, you come out in the second half trailing by 32 and you don't roll over and die. At least they had some fight and it sounded like that's kind of, yeah, it sounded like that's what head coach Chef Scott was focusing on is that they came out, you know, they were able to at least put points on the board and and look alive instead of rolling over. So I think that's really all you take away from that. And you just kind of move forward. <laughs> exactly. They've got a family next week, Florida A&M got to win that game. Nice. That's a, you know, FCS team coming to town, win yeah. that game and kind of let that be your reset button on the season and kind of move yeah. into the start of conference play. And not too long after that, uh, I think that'll be why you before conference play still, but you know what I mean? So kind of like get the wheels in motion before conference play. I was surprised that BYU beat Utah, by the way. Oh, I, I was too. BYU is a lot better than I thought. I hate that. From- I hate that for college football. I hate it so much. You don't like Utah, BYU? Utah, oh, no. You like, B- you like Utah. Utah is like the, like, um, I don't know how to explain this, but they'd be like the good guy in all the movies, right? Like the Bruce Willis, if you will. And BYU is the villain always. So well, well, anytime true. I BYU see them win, I'm like, no. BYU has got a little bit of an attitude to them since uh, they do. Oh, for a while now. But hey, you know, we're not quite at the Big 12 yet, are we? <laughs> No. Uh, no. Let's get a couple of quick wins in here for the conference. Let's do it. <laughs> Morgan State 22, lane 69. Uh, yeah. 69 points. Yes. Ooh, that's the most in the Willie Fritz era, Tulane. You know, big number. <laughs> we love that. Big number. Uh, great number. We all love it. You know, a lot of backups in this game. Not much to say other than they took care of mm-hmm. business, I don't think. You know, do you have anything special about it other than, you know, no, I, uh, I, again, I tried to watch this. This is one of the games I did try to watch. Cause you know, I love to watch Tulane. I wanted to see how they were going to adjust after Oklahoma. And then mm-hmm. also just their whole story I've been following. Cause they're, you know, at UAB and I wanted to watch it and I couldn't even get a stream of this like at all. So I was very that frustrated. Was probably an ESPN plus game. And there was no stats. So I'm, I like follow the stats when I'm at other mm. games, no stats being recorded. So yeah. I didn't really get to see any of it. I saw the final score and I was like, okay, that sounds about right. Um, other than that, you know, I'm sure it was just a learning game for them. They got to get reps for guys that don't normally get reps. So that's good heading mm-hmm. into the rest of the season. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, Murray state seven, Cincinnati 42, the Bearcats Ooh. came out with a big 12 flag instead of an American flag. Uh, which was, are I you thought, serious? Yep. They did. Wow. 
And just leaning they, all the way in. And then they went into halftime seven to seven against Murray State. They See? came out slow. See? They came out That's distracted. What... Uh, you know, they obviously got their focus together in the second half and, you know, 142 to seven, but the offense. Is, are you surprised that Luke Fickle let them do that? Do you think that that was hit like. I, I don't know that it was necessarily Luke Fickle's call about what flag they ran out with. Well, I'm, I'm sure he I'm could be like, no, we're not doing that. Um, yeah, it seems like a little a, bit of a dick but if, move. But if the athletic director kind of goes, we want to like wave the flag run, like make a point that we got in, you kind of. He could be off. like, yeah, maybe that's not a good idea. And well, I think he probably. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't love that. I don't love that for about. Cincinnati. No, it, it was kind of a silly move to do a couple of years right. before you left. Um, but I also get where they're coming from with the excitement of it this weekend and everything. I think the thing I'm more, you know, more surprised Lou Fickle let happen was it be seven, seven at the half and not have the guys focus to, you know, right yeah. from the get go. Cause Murray state's not a team that should have hung around for any amount of time, obviously. What um, did they do better than Cincinnati? I mean, I'm curious I, how that happened to me. It was just lack of focus on the, I mean, the defense for Cincinnati was great. The whole game. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I thought the offense was kind of just sleepwalking for the first half though. Interesting. You know, just one of those games where you expect to win big and you kind of, you're a little bit vanilla. You kind of like go through the yeah. motions a little bit too long. And then, you well, know, and, and then you, you look to Desmond Ritter to be a leader in that kind of situation. So that's kind of surprising to me that he didn't like step up and, and, and push them. And, you know, by the second half, they all were stepping up with that kind of, of thing. Course. But the first half, it was just, like I said, it was just a sleepwalking first half. I don't think there's anything yeah. too deep to read into it overall, though. Uh, you know, moving on, Temple 45, Akron 24. Yes, uh, Temple getting a win. Yeah, they got a pretty yes. good, pretty good-sized win, too. They didn't struggle against Akron at all, which they needed. You know, after the way that Rutgers game went down, they needed to get a game. And Temple getting the defensive player of the week and William, I can't even say his last name, Quinn, K-W-E-N-K-E-U, I don't know how to say it, but linebacker from Temple getting defensive player of the week. We love that. Absolutely. Uh, I also, I don't know what Dewan Mathis' injury status is right now, Uh but Justin Lynch looked excellent. Good. He was very accurate with the ball. Something Mm like, I don't, didn't write down from because I 19 tried. of 23 for yeah. 245 yards. And exactly. Touchdowns. I try not to read box scores too much because I know I can make it a habit of just reading off everyone's stats. And that's just not, I mean, th- those kind of stats are important, especially for a guy that's yeah. stepping in, you know, like that's Absolutely. crazy. Absolutely. He had a great game. Randall Very accurate. The wide receiver had an excellent game too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had like 170 yards uh, receiving. So, you know, they had wow. a, uh, it was a very, very good day for that offense. I'd still I like guess, to see a little bit more physicality out of Temple overall. Just get back to that kind of Temple tough way. But, you know, it is, you know, it's a... Well, they sacked, they sacked the quarterback um, on the other team, it looks like, at least twice, possibly more. Yeah, Akron's um, offensive line is not great. <laughs> yeah, but at least they're bringing it to it, you know? We love, we love Absolute, to see absolutely. physicality. Absolutely. They had a very good second half as well. The first half was not... They had to lead the whole first half, really. Yeah. But the second half is when they kind of broke it open a bit. Two defensive scores for the Owls, and they limited to the Zips to 10 points through the final three quarters. So, yep. yay. Cool. Yay, yeah. Temple. Good day for the Owls. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bad day for the midshipmen. Air Force 23, Navy 3. Oh. Uh, we can talk about what happened on the field in a second. But I, there's a really weird situation there. Uh, Ivan Jasper, their officer coordinator, who's been there for like 14, 15 years. Oh, I read about this. this fired way. immediately after the game. Yeah. But it was not Kenny Amatololo's call. It was the AD, uh, Chet Gladchick's call. And I was surprised to hear that Nia Amatololo stepped in and retained uh, Jasper as the quarterback's coach. But yeah. the AD's insisting he's not the OC anymore. There's very few people who know the triple option offense better than Ivan Jasper. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a good move to fire him if you're trying to improve the offense mid-season at Navy. And I think, I want to know what you think, because I think that means that there's a lot of institutional uncertainty Mm -hmm. about the future of Ken. Because when you look at Neil Matalo, he's been there 14 years. He's been excellent for 14 years. The past four or five years, if he hasn't had a kind of generational quarterback, it's been really tough sledding on that team. And I want to know, do you think that this is a sign that maybe there's going to be a little bit of a push on him this year? Really unfortunate because it's so hard to recruit to service academies, you know, absolutely. first and foremost, that's like the hardest thing. And then you look at his record. He's such a respected coach. It's such a weird move a, to have an AD get involved. Like, I've never even heard of that. You know, like I've never Telling seen that. And, who we can and can't have on yeah, this. Yeah, and go yeah. ahead and like getting rid of this. And then the second, third game, second game into the season, that's, I yeah, mean, like, I've heard of head coaches being fired. USC does it all the time. Yeah. But like. Yeah, Southern Miss last year after like week one, they fired their coach. You know what I mean? Like it happens. Yeah, but, but a coordinator, I feel like it's a lot more rare that early on. Like you because, do see it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the idea is that you're going to be completely changing the scheme or something. Like after week two, it's not a smart move, but it's that's what happens when you've got a, an administrator interfering with the program. Uh, so weird. No, don't get me wrong. Only scoring three points against Air Force, a team who you absolutely yeah. hate, and you know is one of the two teams that you can most accurately judge yourself against in the country because they are another military academy with the same kind of you know entrance standards as you. Well, mm. it's not good. You know, Xavier Arline was the leading rusher with 31 yards. That's not good. They're still kind of balancing out between two different quarterbacks because Arline absolutely cannot throw when they come from behind. He just does not have that in his repertoire of skills. I still think he's their best threat as a running option in that triple Mm -hmm. option, but man, it doesn't work. It's not working right now. What's so weird to me is that you have the AD who relieves this guy of his position, but then, you know, Niamato, I can't say his name, uh, Ken, coach Ken <laughs> asked him to reconsider citing everything that Jasper's done for the program. Jasper's so been around since like Paul Johnson's days at Georgia Southern, he's been around the triple option. No, I understand yeah. that. But what I'm saying is it's weird that Gladchuk made this call and then the head coach had to then go and say, you know, please reconsider. Was there no communication? That's what you know, it sounds like to me. That's what's so weird. It's like, he just did it. Didn't tell me when he was doing it. And then, you know, the head coach had to say, Hey, hold on. I need to vouch for this guy and bring him back. That's the strangest series of events. Which I've is ever why heard it sounds like the Gladchuk, the athletic director was just angry about how. Yeah. Like it was like a reaction. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's 
I think that's very dangerous for the whole program as a whole. If you've got an athletic director who's like lashing out and making decisions kind of, you know, off the cuff like that. Yeah. Well, know, and, and apparently an offensive assistant was also fired. That for was his a refu- little bit different. I was gonna yeah, say, for his refusal to get the COVID-19 vaccine, but still it's another turnover there at all. Yeah. This is God, this is crazy. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's a institutionally, it's weird because Navy is almost always the most stable program. Yeah. And they're very unstable <laughs> yeah. right now. And like yeah. an institutional like level within that program. Uh, yeah. You know, and we can talk about on the field, the offensive line still struggling to block at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the quarterback situation. I was thinking this offseason, Xavier Arline was going to take a step forward because I do love his running ability, but he isn't doing enough. You know, right. he, he, it's just the defense was fine. You know, what I mean, 23 points <laughs> isn't terrible. You know, Diego Fago looked good. The defense looked, they did what they were supposed to do in this game, the way they did it against Marshall. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the offense is just 10 points in two games is terrible. Not to defend Gladchick's decision, but that is a really terrible start. Yeah, uh, hopefully they can get on track. You know, I don't, it's, uh, I, it's weird. I agree. It, it's a, but I'm thinking that maybe might just be that for this year, you know, and unless one of those quarterbacks magically turns into something they haven't been, you know. Um, oh my goodness. So I know that we're talking AC, but the USC just relieved their head coach. Speaking of people being relieved, Clay Helton has oh, now been relieved. I was hoping to be there forever. Wow. This is crazy. So the athletic director, Mike Bond, informed Clay Helton of his decision to make a change in the leadership yeah, well, of the football program. Yeah, that Stanford game was bad. It was really I mean, bad. I didn't another game I didn't get to see, and you oh, know I'm a Stanford was, like my it was kind of funny, like Shaw, because you know how he took all that nonsense last week because of how the Kansas State game went. He had his like chain necklace and he was just like swagger on the Stanford sidelines. First of all, there. Shaw has a no swagger. Don't ever oh, say yes. that. Oh, it was no. great. It was beautiful. He does was, not. Chef, he does yes. not. I love it. He does oh, not. And, was, and this and, was all his fault. If he had just named a starter, a yeah, quarterback, okay. a true quarterback starter, then none of the stuff in K-State would have happened. Probably. Uh, no, 100%. It, it was like 42-13 late in that game. It was a much wider margin than it looked. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's sad for me, though, because I was hoping Notre Dame would be the one to take out Clay Hilton. But this is, is crazy. So they're going to conduct a national search for the new head coach over the next few months. Wait for Luke Fickle's name to get thrown into that <laughs> a lot. Because Mike Bond was the AD who hired Fickle at Cincinnati. So expect Fickle's name. In the interim coach. head coach, Dante Williams, is going to be leading the team until then. Would have so, thought they wow. with Graham Harrell, the OC, but whatever. Wow, uh, this is crazy. I'm sorry. This is this happening right now. So yeah, anyways, uh, <laughs> moving right, on. Let's We got four more games to get through okay. and we can talk all the USC you want. No, no, no more. <laughs> Just save us uh, we, time. We've got four more games. So we've got four wins coming up here. Uh, right. Houston 44, Rice 7. Needed that for Dana. Could not let Rice hang around. <laughs> yeah. Dana needed that. Uh, yes. Clayton Toon looked good. The whole offense looked, you know, really good throughout the game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tune did have one play where he came up a little bit uh, gimpy. He stayed in the game, kept playing through, but it almost looked like he had a slight hamstring thing going on, but not obviously enough to take him out. I keep an eye on that because running is a big part of his game. Right. But he played very, very well after a tough second half, at least against Texas Tech. Uh, the defense, I thought, did a great job creating chaos. They made Luke McCaffrey's time uh, Absolutely miserable, forced three interceptions, got into the backfield a lot. It was a very good day for them. 
I guess their special teams have, did really well as well because their redshirt freshman, Manny Nunnery, best best name ever, linebacker for Houston, was special teams player of the week for the American. He blocked two punts, oh, one yeah. of which led to a Houston touchdown. Uh, he is one of three FBS players with two blocked kicks in a game this season. So love to see well, special who, teams. Who else would have done two blocked kicks in a game? Um, no, <laughs> well, that's, that's we have to go to NCAA myself. stats, but we'll, yeah, that's, but that's, I love to get see myself that. sidetracked mid podcast. Uh, no, <laughs> it, it was a really, well, that's what Houston needed. They need, you need to beat the teams that you're physically better than them. I thought they're physically better than Texas tech too, but they didn't win that game. You're a, a lot physically better than rice. Uh, and they did what they're supposed to won the Bayou bucket back. Uh, you know, I've got nothing negative to say about Dana this week. So we'll give it another week and we'll see where we're at. We'll see how they go. <laughs> um, I don't know who they got next week off the top of my head, but uh, it'll definitely be a closer game unless it's not. Nice. We'll, we'll talk about that in the other yeah, podcast. That's exactly. <laughs> not, I don't have to be prepared for that just yet. There you go. Yeah. New podcast. <laughs> we're not there yet. Preview, not preview. Um, also, just to mention, Logan Hall, junior defensive tackle from Houston, was named honor roll player of the week. He had a team high eight tackles, two and a half for a loss, half a sack in the win. So yeah, he was one of those guys chasing McCaffrey down all day long. There you go. Yep. Logan Hall. Absolutely. Uh, Bethune Cookman, 14, UCF 63. <laughs> uh, not a ton to talk about here, to be honest with you. Just it was a blowout the way it was supposed to be a blowout. Everyone mm-hmm. looked good for UCF. The secondary, the youth still shows from time to time, but I think yeah. they're taking a lot of strides forward. There's a lot of good natural talent there. It just needs development. We saw mm-hmm. some of that over the course of the game. Um, the one interesting thing I would pay attention to from this game, and I don't know if you agree with this, UCF went forward on fourth down throughout the entire game when they were in field goal territory. They did not kick a field goal once. They didn't even try one. Wow. There was a lot of fourth and tens from like from in field goal range where they were going for it. So I don't know. UCF had a lot of field goal issues last year with Daniel Obarski, the kicker. He was very inaccurate. I think Gus Malzahn probably doesn't trust him based on that. You know, considering it was an FCS opponent, you're going for it on fourth down a lot. But uh, other than that, I don't think there was any major takeaways. Um, I, it seems like it was business as usual. Dylan Gabriel, uh, was given honor roll AAC awards, 355 yards of total offense, three touchdowns. So it sounds yeah, like it was just could have been a lot bigger too, because there's a few, there's <laughs> yeah. a few, there's a few drops. Two um, passing, one rushing. So it just sounds like it was normal. I'm I'll be interested to see them play Louisville at Louisville. Yeah. I think I'm going to go to the game on Friday. Um, yeah. and cover it. Cause I've been wanting to see Gus in person. So mm-hmm. that'll be, in my opinion, a more and, interesting game. And we'll talk about more at the preview though, but that yes. Louisville game is interesting. This is the last time you see if it was there. Do you know what happened? I do not. 2013. It was like number seven, Louisville's Charlie strong, Teddy Bridgewater, Louisville. Oh, wow. UCF came back from 21, nothing down the same, similar to how they did against Boise state, but that was with Blake Bortles. It was a, a last minute touchdown drive to win it. And that put them in the driver's seat for the Fiesta Bowl that year. So it's the first time they're playing since then. I'll be interested to see how things go. But see, okay, so that's interesting for you because you care about that stuff. So, but do any of the actual players and coaches remember that, or will that be? It's all different staffs and everything. But I think that's it's an interesting note. It is an interesting note for fans, but I'm curious if it'll even carry into any of the prep or the game. It will be mentioned in the pregame show. I'm sure. <laughs> no, I, I know. I, yeah. You know, maybe Scott Satterfield goes, you know what they did last time there in this house. Okay. Yeah. There you go. And maybe some motivation thing like that. I, but no, it was just, a, 
just a fun little note. Memphis 55, Arkansas State 50. Business as usual Oof, in Memphis. This is who so they many are. points. <laughs> this is who Memphis is. <laughs> same old, same old on the nothing new on Beale Street. I love it. Um, this is who they've been for the past five years at their best is yeah. a great offense in no defense. Uh, the secondary from Memphis got worked by two different quarterbacks in this game from Arkansas State. They both threw for like 250 plus yards. Yeah. Uh, it was a long day for the defenses on both sides. With that being said, Seth Hennigan and Brandon Thomas, the running back quarterback combo for Memphis, they're both freshmen, and they're going to be excellent there for a very, very long time. And that's going to be another layer of that great Memphis offense for the next three, four years. So yeah. I think that offensively, they're all set, don't have any concerns about the Tigers. I'm not convinced on the defense. And, you know, but that, like I said about Memphis, that's kind of the, so what else is new? Yeah, it seems I'm just shocked by, I guess I didn't even see this score because it looks, the numbers are higher than Ohio State, Oregon, which I didn't even think was possible because Ohio State put up 600 and mm-hmm. something plus yards of offense. And this is even crazier. So yeah, th- this game was absolutely insane. It, was, it sounds like it. This game kind of in a way remind me of uh, UCF's game at Memphis last year, where it was like 50 to 49 as a final and Dylan Gabriel, like 600 yards passing in that game. Yeah. And it was just one of those games where everyone is scoring so constantly and moving so easily that and the defenses just didn't exist. It was like a walkthrough on offense. Are you concerned that Memphis wins by five? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Are you concerned that Memphis only wins by five in this game? Or? I'm concerned they let up 50 points. Yeah. If they won 35 to 30, I wouldn't worry about it. Right. But I'm concerned they let up 50 points. You know, well, I, think that, spot. I think <laughs> that crazy. secondary's got a lot of issues that when they get to say playing SMU or UCF, I think those that secondaries, they got exposed by Arkansas state. I think they're going to get really exposed when you get to uh, one of the better AAC passing attacks. Well, it's definitely something they'll be working on. Calvin Austin, the third senior wide receiver for Memphis oh, yeah. offensive player of the week for the AAC Deserved six like catches, six catches, for 239 yards, yeah. the Deserved. most well, by an NCAA FBS player in a game so far this season. Yeah. Wow. Well, well deserved. That's pretty impressive. Impressive. Six catches for 239 yards. That's just efficient way to go. Yeah. Austin. Absolutely. <laughs> Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones. Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, no, right, last game. Yeah, North Texas 12, SMU 35. Uh, North Texas early in this game for me was way too conservative. Seth Luttrell got into you know, like the six yard line and kicked a couple field goals and he needed to understand. And I know this is like from the conference USA point of view almost right away, but <laughs> immediately he needed to understand that he was going to have trouble keeping up with SMU in this game. And he yeah. just, it didn't work like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's unfortunate because again, Seth Luttrell as a coach three, four years ago was one of the hotter names. And now it just yeah. looks like he has fallen off the map. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate. It really is. 
Uh, so it's like how much of that was Mason Fine and, and how much of it was. Oh, and how much of that was Graham Harrell as OC. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Graham Harrell. I keep forgetting he was there. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, surround yourself with good people. It makes you a good coach, but then you got exactly. to keep doing it. So Yeah, and that, that's the trick that you often get in the conference. In the American is where mm-hmm. guys, you know, coaches come and go, OCs come and go. You need to always be able to replace well. You know, and, you know, we've seen that at some schools where you just don't replace well and you get put into a position where you're, Kind of struggle going forward. Like I think Houston's done a very poor job replacing its coaches overall. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at Major Applewhite, Tom Herman wasn't all that great a recruiter, you know, during his time either. You know, there's issues there that have led to them being below where they should be in terms of wins losses. You know, but uh, North Texas has certainly struggled in that same regard. SMU, as far as their day went, Ulysses Bentley was excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no complaints. That's exactly what should be doing. Mordecai did throw a couple of interceptions, but he looked, you know, still very good for the most part. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think there's much else to say about other than they were the dominant team and they did exactly what they're supposed to do. Ulysses Bentley was the honor roll, you know, um, mm-hmm. honors for AAC rushed for 120 yards and a touchdown. You love to see that from a young running back, but I think it was more impressive that their other guy that got, accolades this week was freshman safety Isaiah Nakobia. I don't know mm-hmm. if I said that right. He had seven tackles with a sack and an interception all in that 35-12 win for yeah. freshman safety. That's that's impressive. definitely good to start seeing yeah. from SMU because the defense has been their weak point. Right. Uh, they've been kind of like a variation of what Memphis is, which is you know 50 points but 45 allowed. <laughs> yeah. So if they can keep teams down to a smaller number as the season goes along, they're going to be incredibly difficult to manage. So overall, a better week for the AAC, although not an impressive slate of games. So it's it's kind of a push. Like you said, yeah. most teams did what they should. Some teams didn't, but it's, yeah. got, it's better FCS than the week games. before. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, it, it is what it is. It's early season. It's out of conference. You know, Yeah. next week we'll see how the conference looks. So there's a couple more intriguing out-of-conference games next week, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like we mentioned, the UCF Louisville game. I think it'll be interesting right. to see what Tulsa does at Ohio State if they can hold their own at all. You know, games well, like- I think Oregon laid out a pretty solid blueprint of how you stop them. So if they were paying attention to that film, which I'm sure they will be scouring, yeah, there there's a breadcrumb trail to how to stop this Ohio State. And honestly, the biggest thing was Ryan Day's. Offensive quarter. I mean, I don't know what's going on with the game planning, but the running was the only thing working at one point. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, we're just going to force, you know, Stroud to keep throwing, which wasn't working. So I think that happens when you've been down, though. I think that that's what happens when you've been losing the whole game. You're just trying to figure out a way to score points quickly because you're looking at the clock drain down. I but that's such a bad strategy when like, that's the yeah, definition little... of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting it to work. You have to be a better game manager than that. I put the Ohio state loss on the coaches, not the players mm-hmm. at all. But... Yeah. I mean, fair enough. I, you know, <laughs> I thought the defensive game plan was poor for Ohio state. You know, I thought that if you're Tulsa, yeah. you need to look at that and see, you know, what was it that, Oregon did well. They did a really good job stretch runs, especially mm-hmm. to the left side of the field. And I thought the RPO game gave their defense a lot of trouble. So yeah. I think if you're Tulsa, you need to lean heavy onto that type of thing going into next week. But again, for them, it's much more about being a full, well-rounded team than it is even necessarily winning the game, which I know sounds terrible because you always go to win. the, You always are going to right. win. But 
realistically what you want to see from them is to play a full 60 minutes to play it well at every level of the field um you know but yeah definitely a better week overall you know usc's got a new coach coming in like i said you never know could be luke fickle you never know stanford stanford beating usc is just such a pac-12 thing like such a meaningless victory for the conference because you look at usc being ranked now and maybe they shouldn't have been obviously because Right. And that happens every year. So whatever, but Stanford unranked and probably going to lose to both UCLA and Oregon in the coming weeks. Uh, How is that helpful? You know, it's like, you're going to beat USC for what? (laughs) Well, I think what we all need to acknowledge is in the PAC 12, Oregon's going to lose to Washington this year for some reason. No way. Not this year. Washington's like one conference win. No. That's how that conference works. No, not this Oregon. I was not sold until I went to this and saw the person I really, really love this Oregon team. And it's not just like how they play, but CJ Verdell should be a Heisman contender. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. Their quarterback, Anthony Brown, his story is so incredible. Yeah. And the way that he leads the team is impressive. But the, the guys off the field, how they like each other and play for each other. Like, mm-hmm. I love Mario Cristobal. He is a better version of Clay Helton. He's super nice, super like earnest, but actually good at coaching and like has a good game plan. So I really enjoyed this Oregon team and I'm a little bit on the bandwagon now. Like this might be the team that we see represent on the big stage. So we'll see. You You never know. Either way for Washington, I do think we're headed towards another Crapple Cup. I got some very interesting information from a guy who just left their staff and I was talking to him because I was like, what is going on? You know, why, why is this happening? And he, he was like, look, they have not bought in to Jimmy Lake at all. Really? And I was like, yeah, but because he was the DC. <laughs> I know. And I, everything I've heard from the coaches I know there is that they really, really like him and it's been great, but it's his approach and personality. Apparently that, that this guy who worked there and doesn't work there anymore. doesn't think the players or staff have really bought in, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not at all close to that, so I can't debate it necessarily, mm-hmm. but that just surprises me. And he's yeah. very different than coach Peterson, which is fine, but every single staff member was retained from Peterson's staff. Yeah. So, so it doesn't, that's what doesn't make sense to me is he was a part of that staff. It's not like an Right. The one thing is, like, I think the OC was an outside hire, but it's just it's not working. So, um, unfortunately, that's a bummer. But did you see the Texas AM Colorado game? Yes, I, I um, picked Colorado very, to win that game. Very sad that they didn't. I was. I know uh, <laughs> that uh, would have been a good one. It would have been fun. There's a lot of good fun games in a week that was really su- around the country. It's supposed to be kind of a yeah. boring week. People were talking about how oh it's gonna stink. You know, you know, no, I, crazy. You know, Iowa, Iowa State, that was, uh, yeah. I was good this year. Not on offense, good. but I was good on defense. Yeah. But that's also well, what they, we'll I, see. They're not that good on offense. See, well, that's second okay. half. They, but it's a rivalry game. Like, you really can't take things. Like, that's why I'm telling you about the Stanford USC game. Mm-hmm. That's a big rivalry for those two teams. So I never really take much stock out of it. Like, yes, it's great Stanford one, I guess, but. I'm not going to say, oh my God, Stanford's back. They're incredible now because that's absolutely not true. They're going to go to Vanderbilt next weekend and watch them lose. Like that very much could happen. So I'm not going to go there. But uh, what about the Texas Arkansas game? Did you watch any of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was ugly <laughs> for Texas. That was funny. 
That was a fun I night. felt so, I looked at, I was at a bar in downtown Columbus with all these like drunk Ohio State fans who were drowning their sorrows. And I look up at the TV and I was just like, is this a replay from like 1990? Like what is this game? It was, it was so That's funny. Crazy. Texas got blown off both lines of scrimmage that whole game. It was yeah. great. A beautiful game. You know, and so, uh, that was fun. Boston College 45, UMass 28. <laughs> Gotta include it. All right. I mean, I, I, I paid attention to Boston College because that's where the quarterback at Oregon is from, yeah. um, Anthony Brown. So I, I kind of was like, oh, I'm going to look a little bit about where he's from and stuff. So I got my eye on, on Boston like College. He was but... there when Steve Adazio was the coach, too. So pay attention to Colorado State and see that beautiful coaching he got. I like Colorado uh, State. People sleep on them, but they're a uh, fun they're, program. They're, they're bad this year. Though. I mean, they they're need... bad. They're always bad. But but no, but they like need to fire Steve Adazio bad. Okay. What about Miami App State? That was interesting. That's my did you last. See the cat? I didn't know. I didn't get to see any of the game. Okay, so there was a cat on the upper balcony that was dangling oh. from like a string, right? And it fell from the upper balcony to lower balcony. And a bunch of like drunk Miami fans with an American flag like try to catch it like they're firefighters with a trampoline in an old timey cartoon. <laughs> the cat, catch like, it? Well, the the cat got went like hit the ground through the thing because they like dropped the flag. But oh. then the, the cat was okay though because it's. Cat, that's always can, yeah exactly but this guy picks up the cat and starts holding it like he's you know like it's simba Mufasa, the, cat, yeah. the cat just starts scratching the shit out of them and yeah. gets just i that cat i've never seen an angry cat i just have no idea how it got there that sounds like that sounds like a pretty good summary of this week and that and did you see the florida state player who proposed to his girlfriend on the field after yep. the game while the other team was celebrating <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty fun. I was like, if that doesn't sum up this weekend, then I'm not sure what does. So. Great. It was a great week too. Uh, you can find me at Dan underscore Morrison 96. And Tell you can find me at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. And see you for our previews for week three.